the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. Download the app, choose your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed of exclusive ad free content today. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track s-p-o-t-r-a-c for 40 percent off your first year subscription today that's theathletic.com slash spot track my name is mike Gennetti. happy sunday monday whenever you listen to your podcasts it's been a down another downer nfl week <laughs> uh, regardless of who you cheer for i think it was just one of those tough to watch weeks of football my goodness hopefully it gets better here for some of these primetime games but it is an nfl show today I'm not going to do your traditional stuff. I'm going to talk Patriots, which I know a lot of people are doing, but I'm going to try to assess the compilation that is the Patriots. How did we get here? What do they look like? How are they spending their cash dollars? Uh, you know, What kind of trade work did he do? And who is getting too much credit? Who's not getting enough credit for this Patriots success? And oh, by the way, is it real? Is it something that I would hang my hat on for the next couple of weeks and into the postseason? So Patriots... Dallas Goddard locks in a nice contract extension with the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to break that down for you, kind of nuts and bolts, what it means in terms of other tight ends, what it means for the Philadelphia Eagles, because I think they're a fascinating team specifically in the middle of this season. And uh, I've did a couple of uh, pieces of homework for spottrick.com. I did a piece that's basically a what if question for every team, but not just like a question, an actual player. Which player has a question? Any kind of question. I'm on a franchise tag. What's next for me? I was acquired via a trade two weeks ago. What's next for me? Okay. I'm on an expiring contract with my team. What's next for me? I'm terrible right now. What's next for me? One player from every NFL team who has some sort of question, some sort of what if heading towards December in this 2021 regular season and what it might mean for 2022. So that's live on spytrack.com. I'm going to talk about a few of those names here on this show. And then, of course, on the back end of this show, it's a good time to start looking at the 2019 draft class because these players become extension eligible after this 2021 regular season. So there's a couple of names here. And I'm not just going to talk names. I want to talk about will it happen? Is there going to be a push to extend more players earlier, right away after three years? Or is there going to be a push from the team to say, no, we got to stop doing this. We got to stop betting on ourselves. Let's let this rookie contract ride out. Or third option, are the players going to say, let's hit the pause button. I don't want to deal right now. I want to wait till we get into that 2023, 2024 area when the entire league is going to explode because of the TV contracts. And I want, I want to be dealing with my contract negotiation then. So it's kind of a fascinating time to look at that list, the 2019 draft, draft class. And we will do that at the back end of the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Balance Bridge Funding, providing cost-friendly capital solutions to professional athletes since 2015. Balance Bridge has dedicated professionals who are ready to customize a repayment plan catered to your client's situation. Borrow wisely, cost-effectively, avoid fees, and there's no penalties if you pay it back early. Whether you're under contract and need a bridge against guaranteed earnings, a free agent looking to invest, or looking to borrow money for any other reason, let Balance Bridge take a look, provide a solution, and be a resource for you and your client. Today. Visit balancedbridge.com. All right, off the top here, finished a week-long piece that details. It, it's not quite yet the roster bubble piece. It's not quite the 
carnage that comes with players that I think are falling off next year's roster for financial purposes, for football purposes, for other purposes. We're getting there. And it's sort of a mini version of that, but I was a little bit more creative in this one because every team has somebody that I was able to identify that has some sort of question, some sort of what if, positive or negative, finishing off this season, heading towards the offseason. And I think it is the right time for many of these players to be discussed. For instance, if I told you that the player for the Cardinals is Christian Kirk, that probably shouldn't surprise you because DeAndre Hopkins has been injured. Kyler Murray has been injured. AJ Green is a shell of himself. Rondell Moore isn't ready to be, you know, in every other target kind of guy. Not sure he ever will be. Christian Kirk has shown he may can be. And he has at times over his career here. Expiring contract. Tim Patrick is a perfect comp for him. Just re-upped in Denver. It's it's a good time to start thinking about Christian Kirk and the Arizona Cardinals. Now, you can put Chandler Jones. There's a bunch of defensive players. Um, I've identified one here, and I've made note if there's others to think about. So, you know, don't come gunning for me on Twitter that I've missed and, you know, completely botched this. This is, from a contractual standpoint, some guys just kind of stand out above the other. So I just I posted this Sunday evening, one player from every NFL franchise that has something hanging over them right now. You know, Sam Darnold, Jared Goff, of course, make this list. Something on every team that is at least to be discussed in the middle of the 2021 season, heading towards the 2021 offseason. So that's now. Roster bubbles are coming. Free agent lists are coming. We're going to have plenty of shows surrounding those in the coming weeks, but it's a kind of a post mid season time to start thinking about this player specifically. Let's, let's target and spotlight somebody for the rest of this year, because you know, over the next seven to eight weeks, people may be saving jobs. People may be saving their ability to stay with this current team or get off of this current team. If that's what they so choose. And I think there are more than a few on this list that are falling that category. So it's a little bit, like I said, a little bit more creative in terms of not just who's going to fall off the roster or who's a trade candidate or who's a free agent that uh, is going to cash in. It's a little bit of all of those mixed in based on how the team is sort of finishing off this year. So that's on.com right now. I'll tweet that out tomorrow along with the show. And I will talk about this a little bit more, I think, because every week, some of these spotlight players are going to be back in the news, right? Baker. I didn't go Lamar because... And I'll get there with Baltimore, but Baltimore is broken for different reasons, in my opinion. And they're still winning, you know, on, on two for th- two out of two out of every three, they're going to win, I think, to finish off the season. But that that's why I didn't want to make this a very distinct piece, extension candidates. And I will do that. And I'm happy to talk about that. But every team is in a different spot right now. And I don't think any team is in the spot of we're good, (laughs) right? Nobody, maybe for the first time in a long time in this league, there's not one team saying we love ourselves, love it. Everybody, even the good teams tried to change themselves the deadline. And now everybody's stumbling at some point during the season. So it's fascinating in that regard. It's a little bit like college football with the exception of Georgia, of course, who stands kind of isolated, but Sports in general, we're finding more parity. It's good. It's good stuff. You know, the Lakers, the Bucks, all of the major teams in the NBA are sort of going through the motions early on here. You're seeing some surprises from New York and Cleveland and teams like that. So 
it's just maybe that's just where we are. Maybe the current iteration of these leagues, financially speaking, from a roster construction standpoint, from a drafting standpoint, certainly from a technology and scouting standpoint, maybe it's just sort of catching up. All the teams in, you know, most of the teams in every sport have figured it out to the point of where it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty even playing field. So it's more of a, of a creative scratch and claw. And it's not just, we just got to get the best guys. And if we have the best guys, generally speaking, and especially in the NBA, we're going to the playoffs. We're going to have a chance to compete. Even if we have just one of the best guys in that sport, we can probably guarantee ourselves a playoff spot. Every other sport is different, of course. Baseball, that's not the case. Mike Trout, you know, no playoffs. Bryce Harper, no playoffs. So football's kind of fallen now into this, not trap, but settling into this parody situation that they haven't had before. Generally, you have, you know, at, at this point of the season, we've got teams that are 10 and 2, 9 and 1, you know, multiple teams. We've got two, three teams in each division, excuse me, each conference that we're, we're basically saying, all right, stone cold box, you know, there's your Super Bowl candidates, Vegas aligns accordingly. I can't even imagine being an odd setter in Vegas for the AFC right now um, after what we just went through over the past three weeks and again today, of course. So no team is the same. No two, two teams are the same and no situation is the same. So, you know, what happens to current franchise tag players? We had a, a huge number of those because of the cap situation. What happens to all of those? Would you sign any of those right now to a long-term contract? Any. Is Chris Godwin a slam dunk? Is Allen Robinson a slam dunk? Is Marcus May now in the IR a slam dunk? Like I said, there's so many angles that I could come into this NFL discussion with that I just thought a bit more of a mixed bag makes sense. So that's what I've got on .com right now. I want to transition to two other NFL pieces here for today's show. The first being the Patriots. And I can't believe I'm here with this, you know, and I'm sure a lot of uh, podcasts and radio shows and you know, NFL analysts to boot are in the same boat because I think we thought they'd be competitive. And I believe that's exactly what they were trying to accomplish this offseason. Let's just be in the mix. And I'm not sure they foreshadowed the the chaos that the AFC currently is. I don't think anybody could have. I, th- I think they firmly believe they were a class below the Bills. And I believe they thought the same with the Chiefs and the Ravens to some degree. But after that, that's the tier they're trying to get to with, you know, X million dollars in free agent spending. To be exact, $291 million in free agent spending. $90 million more than any other team in football this past offseason. That's just free agency. That's not extensions. That's not drafts. That's just free agent dollars. So that's where they started. And alongside that, they had six trades one of which was basically a three-team swap for to bring Trent Brown back, send Marcus Cannon to Houston, and then you know push a, uh, a pick to the Raiders. The offensive line situation is fascinating. And what I like to do when I see a team kind of over, I guess I sort of outplaying their sneakers a little bit, which I, I'd put Philadelphia and New England in this category right now. And I think they're both good. And, and New England may be good enough because of the inconsistency of the AC, because they've got a coach that I think can outcoach 99% of his opponents. 
through even through the postseason. I, I believe that. I believe if he's got a, a situation where he, where the quarterback has a legitimate trust and has the physical and mental ability to just continually do what he's doing, which Mac Jones has not proved for over a month, we can overstate coaching in a lot of spots. I think Kyle Shanahan is the example of that. S- some weeks, some weeks, Sean McVay, some weeks. That's how Belichick has always operated. That's why all he needs is a competent figure wearing a helmet at the quarterback position, physically and mentally, not above average, not great, just competent in most cases. And the job can get done. And that's what we're, we're seeing here. And I don't know if Belichick's getting enough credit for this. It's all Mac Jones, Mac Jones, Mac Jones. And he's good, no question. And he's good. He's great for a rookie. He's, but I think he's good on an overall basis. And Bill Belichick is just basically making him get the job done. And, and I'd put McDaniels in that conversation too. So in this case, I don't think you can overstate coaching at all because that's exactly what we've been seeing here. So how is this team built, positionally spent? It's not going to surprise you, okay? Quarterback is 30th in the league. Running back is 23rd. Wide receivers are 20. You, you, would, you would have guessed immediately that, that they're first in tight ends after this pre-agent season we just had. They're 24th in offensive line. And you say, okay, but their offensive line is good. It's solid. And it's really being talked about a lot. You're right. But it's young in half and acquired creatively on the other half. Okay? This is how they are. They don't give out massive contracts internally to these guys, to either side of the trenches. They don't do it. They paid a pass rusher this year, which was rare. They paid Stefan Gilmer a few years ago. That was rare. They don't give out extensioned contracts to anybody, not even the left tackle. They'll give a good bridge contract, but it won't be your blockbuster. So 24th in offensive line because of two acquired via trade. One was a basically an injury extension with, with David Andrews, and then two are young. Defensive line 26th. That's a rotation. In and out, in and out, as it should be. That's a you know, the, uh, the interior defensive line is important, but it's extremely replaceable in, in many cases. Linebackers are now eighth. So that's your Ed Brushers. That's the Van Noy. That's the uh, Matt Judon. That's where a lot of that money comes in. That's also including Hightower, who we'll talk about in a second. And the secondary is 10th. And that's a bit of an age. They're experienced. You can tell that's exactly where Bill Belichick knows he has to make his money, spend his money to make his money. because. You need depth there. You need not one guy making 20, but you need five guys making, you know, eight to 12. Or obviously rookie contracts, which he's getting away with in two cases. So I think he's perfectly fine being top 10 in DB spending. Special teams 27th. That's a change. Okay. They were very uh, commonly top five, top eight in special team spending for a lot of years. So this is a bit of a... uh, you know, they're spinning their wheels, I think, a little bit at that at that spot. But Nick Folk has kind of sort of supplanted that. So even that has gotten figured out, even though the finances don't say that they're confident there. So that's your list. Out of the 10 position groups I have here, six of them, they're 20th or lower. Six. They're, they're one and one, tight ends. They're top 10 and three. Edge rusher, off-ball linebackers, secondary, tight ends, and everything else is out of the top 20. That's how you do it. 
It's how you stay balanced. The positions that are less primary, that are less important to a 17-week a season, you simply never throw money at them. Never. That's what Belichick has done. Never say never, but never. <laughs> okay? You can go a million or two over, you know, on those, on those shorter contracts and be creative with how the cap works, of course. But at no point in time are you going to see Bill Belichick reaching for a defensive tackle day one of free agency that rivals resetting the market. They don't do it. They don't have to do it either. He's warranted that kind of respect, but he's never done it. Never. So it's been his philosophy since day one. It's the reason they got the reputation they got and the winning and the success that they got. And they continue to do it even after the Brady era. So now that he thinks he has a, a competent, at times above average quarterback, I wouldn't say the offense is good. And anybody who wants to learn more about that, Mike Sando did a phenomenal piece. I wouldn't say the offense is good. They're probably leaning towards the second half of the league right now on a consistent basis. They have their moments, but they can run. Banged up a little bit, but they can run. They can play the short game with the two tight end set or with just Hunter Henry, who's really come on. And they've got a quarterback who's not going to turn the ball over as much as the average. He is doing it, and he's doing it less now as he's sort of maturing into this role. But too much credit for Mac Jones. <clears throat> not enough credit for the team building because I think the consensus was they just did everything they could possible. They just threw baloney at the wall, threw $290 million of free agent dollars at the wall, and they were just hoping they could, they could keep their head above water during the year. I think it was way more calculated that, than that based on the positions that they spent on. And I think it was way more calculated that they thought they had a legitimate chance. Not to win a division, not to win the AFC, but to be competitive based on schedules, based on matchups, and because they knew they had the right quarterback. Okay, A lot of moves happened after Mac Jones got drafted. A lot of moves. Cam Newton being one of them. So I do think that this is a team that knew what they were and knew what they could be if, the, if a few steps went their way. They have. And now that the AFC is kind of imploding around them, it isn't unfair to say legitimate chance for this team because of the coach. Coaching has been unbelievably undervalued. I know people get sick of hearing Belichick, like they get sick of hearing about LeBron or Tiger or whatever, who, you know, just the greats. It's kind of a cliched to put those kind of names out there with positive affirmations alongside of them. But he deserves it because this was, he took one year sort of in the bath. And oh, by the way, don't understate the COVID opt-outs last year. We can say, we can always add that as the asterisk to why the Patriots were bad last year. And Cam Newton was not able to be great. He wasn't healthy. He didn't gel into the system, even though I think Belichick really thought he had a chance to. So the quarterback position was a bit of a mess, of course. But there was there, that, that defense was never going to compete because of the opt-outs. Never. And that's the bread and butter. That's why Bill Belichick is who he is because of defense. So we undersold just how little of a chance those Patriots had last year and put too much separation between them and the Bills, put too much separation between them and any of the playoff contenders in the AFC in terms of preseason ranks. And I think now we're trying to go the other way and say, wow, yeah. This is all Mac Jones. Mac Jones comes in and everything changes. A lot changed. 
There's a lot of calming down. There's a lot of settling in, but still that same coaching staff, they're able to scheme better. They're able to do, you know, prepare better because there's a lot more familiar faces on that defense. That's why the Patriots are here. And the running game has been banged up, both Harris and Stevenson. If they get healthy and there's a Bolden and a Burkhead to go with that, and they're as deep as they usually are at the running back position, even though they're 23rd in spending, that's how you do it in December, especially when you go to Buffalo twice, right? That's how you do it. Good defense, good running, competent quarterback, great coaching. That's why the Patriots are here. End of rant. All right, two more NFL uh, tidbits here because it's a big football day. I've watched a lot of bad football today, and I want to just talk good football. <laughs> Got to get myself back in the right mindset. Dallas Goddard signs a uh, nice extension with the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, usually I'm sitting here saying, all right, they said $57 million. What is it actually? Everybody calm down. That's usually how I react to these extensions because there's a, an, an uproar from the, the average Joes that say, you know, he's not worth it. He's terrible. He hasn't really progressed. Yada, yada, yada. I don't think anybody really gawked at this one, you know, and you can say that he's not Zach Ertz. He's not yet, but he's perfectly capable. He's definitely a tight end one. And in the system that's being run by Jalen Hurts right now with three good running backs, four lightning fast wide receivers, he's just going to be the middle of the field. I mean, this guy should be targets all day if this offense kind of stays intact, which I think it will maybe even get better with another wide receiver ad in the off season. So I, I love him in this spot. I think they know they love him in this spot. I think everybody's a little bit disappointed that this deal didn't get done earlier, including the Eagles, by the way, because this was always going to be the guy there, you know, and they knew it probably a year and a half ago based on how things were going internally. So Zacherts knew he was out. It was just a matter of the right fit, the right time. That happened. I think he's happy where he is. And now we get to have a financial conversation about his replacement, which 57 over four in terms of New Year's new money. Let's just talk about the cash flow up front. He started off making 1.2 million this year. Excuse me. He started off making, yep, 1.2 million this year. That turned into almost 11 million. So that'll do 10 weeks into your uh, 2021 season. Over two years, it's going to be about. 15 million and change. Okay. Which is top six money. Okay. If we talk three year, we're also in that top six area. It gets just under 30 million over the next two and a half years. So it's kind of an unfair assessment based on the fact that we're in half, halfway through 2021 here. But like I said, decent chunk of change this year for the rest of the year a smaller payday next year to kind of offset that. And then over 14 million cash in 2023, which makes sense cap wise, makes sense from a team standpoint. Um, they'll be figuring things out about Jalen Hurts at that point. Maybe unless a new quarterback kind of comes into the focus here, which is possible, but this is top six tight end money in terms of cash flow over the next meat and potatoes of this thing. So yes, it's the second highest, or excuse me, the third highest average paid tight end contract of all time, 14.25 million per year. But that's exactly why that ranking is tough to, tough to promote too much because it's not the third best tight end contract in football. It's not. Okay, Kittle, Kelsey, Mark Andrews, even Hunter Henry's deal, 
they're stronger, they're better, they're more impactful cash flow wise. Okay. He falls in that second tier. He's in the Austin Hooper conversation. Yeah. To some degree. And, uh, honestly, the, the Zach Ertz contract that was, that he was replacing, it's a, it's a bit of an adjustment, adjusted version of that. So if we cap adjust three years down the road here, that's kind of where Goddard is. So the Eagles basically just said, you're going to get the next version of the ex Zach Ertz's contract. And that's where we are. Cap hits are tenable. Of course it jumps this year to a little, a little over three. It goes to three, seven next year and then six, six in 2023. So very, very cap friendly, very cap friendly. And in true Eagles form signing bonus this year, option bonus next year, another option bonus in 2023. <laughs> they love their dead cap. Love it. And they've, uh, they're going to pile a couple, a couple more million onto this one for sure. There's two void years on the back because of that, that second, uh, option bonus. It's going to be a deal. You're not going to see restructured. It's just not because of the way they did it. They've already restructured it. They baked it into the cake. So you're going to have low base salaries, low cap hits for the first three years. 2024 is going to be a bit, a bit of an option year. Yes. You're going to have about 6 million fully guaranteed but that's not scaring anybody. He's going to be 29 years old at that point. Most likely you rip it up and start over if you love him still. Otherwise you try to trade him or you, you convert that to a bonus, eat it as dead cap and move on. That's just how this league is going now. So he's, he's secured through 2023 very, very nicely. And then after that, it's kind of a what if, even though there's a bit more change in it. So good deal. Not, not a great deal. Not, a, not, it's a good deal for him because he's, he's unproven as many of you will say, but he's going to be the guy. He's going to have tons of targets. Eagles should find some some super good value, especially from a cap perspective in this contract over the next two and a half seasons. So I like it. I like it a lot. I like where this team's going. They're overachieving right now. I think it's going to be hard to say no to Jalen Hurts, at least for next year, because he's he's cheap and carries that team control situation. And he's a playmaker. He's a fantasy darling. There's a lot going on with this team that I, th- I think is ahead of the game. You're seeing internal extensions. The offensive line is great. You're seeing, you saw Avante Maddox get a $22 million extension and now this one to go with it, $57 million. So they like themselves a lot more than I thought we were going to like them. And by the way, and I'm not tooting my horn here. I'm just bringing it back up because I want to have this conversation. One of the things I said this offseason was they're being so quiet. Everyone else is kind of like the roof is on fire. Our cap's a mess. We've got to cut half of our team or restructure half of our team just to get cap neutral. Philly was so quiet this offseason. You know, we thought they were going to trade Ertz. We didn't know what they were going to do with the quarterback play. And to me, it just felt like, and I remember saying this, it felt like Russell Wilson with Seattle early on, where they were basically like, nobody say anything, okay? (laughs) This guy may be phenomenal. Nobody say anything. Now, I'm not sure Jalen Hurts is going to be Russell Wilson. I don't think he has the physical gifts to do it And, and and the poise that Russell Wilson can have at times. But... He's as, as, as dynamic. He certainly is. And he's going to grow up with this core. And I think that's what Philly is, is figuring out that maybe not one guy that we have right now, Hertz included is elite, but they're all good enough to win games. And if they mature together and they become our kind of our core together, financially speaking, it's a disaster by the way, because you have to pay everybody kind of all at once. But it's going to be a rare situation, maybe in two years, maybe next year, where this thing clicks. And when it all clicks, if everybody's still kind of in and the egos don't get in the way, this is the kind of team that can go from middle of the pack 
all the way to the top in one year. So I think we're sort of seeing bits and pieces of that right now. And like I said, I think they foreshadowed some of this this past summer, maybe running through some of these mini camps, starting to see and maybe sit down with Jalen Hurts and understand, hey, this guy's got it mentally. We just got to get him to do it on the field and slow the game down and get some of these weapons that we just just basically got here and get up to speed with him. And God, it's a part of this conversation. So of course, this is a deal that that aligns with that line of thinking and I think where Philadelphia is headed. Okay, last piece. I'll be brief on this one. It's a really good time to start looking at the 2019 draft because these are the players, the first round specifically. I mean, you can you can go down the line, but I, the first round of the 20, 2019 draft because they're heading towards three full years of experience, which means they'll be extension eligible after this regular season coming up. So that's your Kyler Murray, your Nick Bosa, your Daniel Jones, the other Josh Allen, right? The Jaguars, Josh Allen, who's had quite a season here. What happens with Devin Bush and TJ Hawkinson? There's there's a good set of names here. I wouldn't say it's a great set of names. You know, Noah Fant, Jeffrey Simmons for sure has blown up in Tennessee. Montez Sweat. There's names here. And the reason I'm bringing it up here briefly is, will we see teams pay early for non-quarterback positions? I think Kyler will get an offer. I'm not sure on Daniel Jones. He has a big last six, seven weeks here, I think. I'm going to guarantee you that Dwayne Haskins doesn't get it. <laughs> I roll. Um, will we start to see teams not pay after the third year? Will the trend start to push to, hey, we've got the guy. They're not going to hold out. You know, We'll make them happy when the time is right to make them happy, but we've got to do a better job of not putting ourselves in a position that pay him after three, hate him after five. These multi-year extensions are a disaster. But, you know, at, right at the time when we, were, we lose our value and there's still two years of guaranteed money left in this contract. I think we're seeing too much of that, even at the quarterback position, but I know that's not going to stop. You want to get those guys locked up early. So I don't believe that will stop. But at these other positions, you know, what happens with Josh Allen in, in Jacksonville? That's a position you can probably wait on, especially with the free agent market for that position, the edge rusher, or maybe even the off-ball guy kind of tanking a little bit. Devin White, I don't know that I'd pay him. Uh, to me, he's a five years plus franchise tag candidate. I love the guy, but you know, we know what that's going to cost. So why do it now? If that at that position after three years, to me, that's math that doesn't work. I've I've got to I've got to feed other mouths and keep a good, great roster intact, and I can do that on his rookie contract. I mean, that's a, that's a help to the entire team. And that's why you're doing what you're doing. That's why you're investing so much in draft picks because you have this contract that's here. So I'm not saying, I'm not trying to stop players from getting paid. I have no doubt that these guys are going to get paid at some point, even if it's not with this current team. But I wonder if the push to maximize the rookie contract will get greater and greater as we go here, as players have less and less incentive to kind of argue about it especially on the good teams, especially on the good teams. Now, Tennessee with Jeffrey Simmons, you got to pay him. <laughs> okay. I think you got to pay him. Um, but other than that, I don't know. It's a wait and see. Quinn and Williams with the Jets. Is that a team that you want to lock in with? And that's the other part of this. We know the money's coming in 2023. We know the cap should rise. Do you want to lock in now 
after this year, get a good chunk, chunk of cash, and then help your team out by pushing all the cap into 23 and 24. Is that something you can do? Again, that's a risky. That's four, three, four years that you have to remain great. And that's getting tougher and tougher to do in the NFL. So do the players want to wait to 23, let their rookie contract play into that point, and then say, time to extend me. We know you've got the room. We know you've got the cash flow. We know everything's all good. Hopefully we're, you're at the endemic at that point. And that part of the equation is not a hamper on any kind of revenue stream. So I wonder that if it's a two-way street here, specifically with this draft class, you know, they're going to be extending offers for the fifth-year option. Majority of these players I mentioned are, of course, getting exercised. That buys them another year. You know, that means Kyler Murray will be locked in, fully guaranteed through 2023 on his rookie contract. So at what point are you going to be absolutely forced to lock him into a multi-year extension? Because you can start the conversations this January. But that's what that's something to really think about with a lot of these players, especially if you, you follow a team specifically. You know, go look at your 2019 draft class because that's what we're dealing with. That's what GMs are going to have to start thinking about now. Not that they already haven't, but you know, any at any point in time, that's for any player in this draft class, not just the first rounders. You know, if you've got a steal in the fourth round, it's actually more incentive to to start to think about the extension because that player's only got one year left in his contract. You know, if you're Tony Pollard in Dallas one more year after this, and then you're expiring. So, you know, the non-first rounders may be even more prime for, for contract extensions here. So it's a good time for that, for sure. Like I said, the what if question marks on every roster, I've got that piece on spotrack.com. And uh, we'll be answering a lot more questions at Spotrack on Twitter. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash Spotrack for 40% off your first year subscription. And check out Balanced Bridge. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.